Malo Lesolfua. Welcome to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Tala Anderson. Hello, okay to Wantok. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today we hear from the last captain of the Samoa women's rugby team at a World Cup and the Pacifica-owned gym in South Auckland determined to keep people moving. She was the last woman to captain the Samoa women's rugby team at a Rugby World Cup. Now she's doing everything she can to help them return to the game's biggest stage in 2022. Cynthia Ta'ala Timaloa talks to us about the obstacles the Manusina faced to compete and qualify next year and reflects back on her time with the team as both a player and now assistant coach. A new date thing has come out for the Rugby World Cup qualifier, which is February. But Manusina can only play if we secure MIQ spots in New Zealand, you know, for us to come back home. And majority of our team, Waslet at the moment, is from New Zealand. So in the fact that we've been asking for MIQ spots way before, you know, the issue with, with MIQ spots for our athletes or for athletes that are competing, even within the competing for New Zealand, are still having issues unless you're certain, a certain type of team. Um, so we're, we can only go to Rugby World Cup qualifier if we secure MIQ spots. So that's where we're at at the moment. It's still going ahead in February. Our players, all you know, we constantly update our players as to where we're at, what they're supposed to be doing. As soon as we get to a certain level, or hoping level two, and then we're all in in terms of training um, towards qualifying. Are you confident that you'll get those spots? Well, I have to be. You know, there's always hope uh, for our players and uh, for the staff and for our nation for Samoa because yeah, it is a massive need. Um, Rugby World Cup needs. Samoa or Pacific Island team. We've got Fiji in there, which is awesome. But they also need Samoa in the World Cup. You were actually the last woman to captain Samoa at a Rugby World Cup. Tell me a little bit about that time and how special that was for you. Oh, that was so special. That still is very special. Like the whole the whole process, 2013, having to qualify for World Cup and then 2014, going to World Cup without our coach, um, so we went with a team, honestly, we went with a, with a team to Spain where, uh, in terms of rugby experience, not much. Uh, so, yeah, we can forgive the people that will look <laughs> at the team on paper and go, huh, you're not going to qualify. So that we had that. I mean, we had to deal with that off field with a lot of doubters, a lot of people saying, you're not going to qualify yet. Can you need this player, you need this player, you need this player. Um, and I remember facts. I remember our first training um, for <laughs> World Cup. And it's a World Cup qualifier, right? And there was like only nine nine people at the trial, and we played like four on five. It was so funny. I mean, when I look back at it now, I, I mean, it was such a hard campaign. It was a 27, 28-hour landed, put our stuff in the, in the hotel. We had to train because we played the next day. So that was the format. And I think that's, that's probably the most memorable game was the night game. Uh, first half, oh, man, we were getting hiding. It was like 20-something 20, 20 nil. Had a halftime talk. I don't know what I said. I was just blowing up. I do, I do remember saying, I just I don't care what we have to do. I just need one point out of this game. If we're not going to get the full two, two points for a win, I need one point, which means we needed to score at least four tries. And we ended up losing, but it was like 28-22. And we got the one point. And that was the point of difference, pretty much. And, and in that tournament, you had to be top two. And... Um, to go through to what uh, to Rugby World Cup, and we were the second by one point. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that, awesome. That was amazing. I mean, so many things happened on that tour, but that, yeah, I think at the end of that game, everyone just smelled, I just collapsed on the ground. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh my, oh my gosh. 
Um, but that was probably the most memorable. And then going to Rugby World Cup was kind of it was amazing. Um, somber at the same time because we lost our coach. Yeah. I just want to quickly just um, touch on uh, Peter Fatsialofa because... Um, no! <laughs> no, just a little bit. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because he was a huge part of that campaign. Um, I, yeah. what, what did he mean to, to you, the team? Oh, he was the glue. Uh, you know, he was the, um, definitely the glue of the team because he was our go-to, you know, if he had to get things across the line with Samoa Rugby Union or, or now known as Lucky Fee Samoa. Um, he, was the, he was the man. You know, he was it. Um, and that made, I think, on the surface, a lot of players wouldn't have realised that he made that transition look really easy, even though, you know, behind the scenes it wasn't. I think we are where we are today because of um, his connection um, and what he did for rugby, for Samoa Rugby, especially for Manu Sina. Um, we saw another side of Fats. I don't want to cry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we saw another side of that um, that not not many people probably saw. And I guess that was evident when um, at the funeral and testimonies, women, you know, said, "Oh, you know, he wanted to do local when we were in camp," and they're like, "Huh?" And and in terms of the drinking ban, that came from him, and we were like surprised because yeah, everyone that knows Fats, you know, knows him well, knows that that it's quite hard to believe that he put the ban in, and I think there's so many sides to him. I think when people see him, he'll come across as, as quite tough. But there were so many times that we would always like laugh laugh at him when he was trying to explain something, and he'll try to growl us, but um, he'll just end up smiling and, and laughing too. But he was he's such a kind heart. I would say he is the juicy. I mean, our juicy is, is represents the heart of our family of of Samoa. You know, is the blood. Um, he definitely showed that in the way that he served Manusina. I mean, he served money seen the right to his death. Definitely the glory, the heart. Such a beautiful man. Um, but showed us, definitely showed me how, you know, how to serve Samoa, like wholeheartedly. And I've got to say, yeah, you was, you are um, continuing that, I believe, from what I can see, because um, now you've kind of got the opportunity to continue the work, you know, not as a player, but as an assistant coach now. So what, what has that tra- transition been like for you to go from player to coach? Uh, it wasn't an easy one. It was made um, for. It wasn't my choice to be player coach. That choice was taken away in 2000, and I think 16 or 17, when we had a, new, a national New Zealand sevens competition here, and it was a year where they banned, or they weren't allowing any international players um, to play, and I fell under that category after playing that tournament and then having to. Um, then one year that that rule comes in, which, which is you know that was disappointing. Um, as a player, because you still wanted to play, but you couldn't because that was them. Um, and so the opportunity there came to uh, to still be part of our probably our union team with counties um, as a coach, as an assistant coach slash trainer. And I was like, stink! <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that because it's you know it's not what I had hadn't been ready to retire yet, even though I should have. But that was that came forcefully. Um, but in, again, when I look back, it was perfect timing. Because uh, so thankful for that decision now. I wasn't. I wasn't thankful then. Because <laughs> yeah. um, it's led me into probably the opportunities that I've had so far. I'm really lucky actually to know Cynthia um, personally, and she is just a phenomenal woman who's really uh, driven to kind of help the next generation of women players for Samoa. So um, you know, it's really great to see 
how, how involved she is with the Samoan community. And actually, we've seen her over the last couple of months really get out in full force amongst other sports stars as well. Uh, Vinny, helping to drive that, those vaccination events for our Pacific communities as well. Absolutely, and obviously vaccination is such a critical thing around the world now for, for sporting events too. You know, if the Rugby World Cup is going to happen here in New Zealand at the end of next year, up in Northland predominantly, where obviously uh, the rates are currently low, that getting that vaccination up in, in, in all communities is is so crucial. And, you know, as was explained in your, your interview with Cynthia, you know, this team has gone on a hell of a journey. 2014 World Cup, a lot's happened since then. They weren't even allowed to qualify for you know, the most recent World Cup for various reasons. So to get back in 2021, now it's 2022. Like, you know, what an achievement it would be for these players that don't have a hell of a lot of resources, uh, lockdowns yeah. and everything that you know very well about. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty inspiring. Now, if you're living in locked down Auckland or parts of Waikato and you still want your fix of F45, yoga or, or perhaps a hit of Zumba, you're going to have to exercise outdoors and only in groups of 25. So with all gyms and sporting facilities and leisure centres in those regions currently closed, how do you do a socially distanced workout? Our reporter Marina Fangayava Mula talks to Johnny Timu, the Pacifica owner of Brown Pride Gym in South Auckland, about the struggles of running a business during lockdown and how they're keeping the community moving. Johnny Timu and his business partners didn't take on a big loan when starting up. They have no million dollar investors and unlike rival F45 franchises, are just a bunch of mates who wanted to keep their community match fit. More than 800 keen punters came through his doors every day until the country entered strict lockdown in August. Some people like would repeat like all oh, the morning classes 4am to 7pm or some people would repeat all oh, the evening classes 4pm uh, to 8pm and um, just the amount of um, traffic we had coming through was heaps and like on the up one day was 112 people and that was like a quiet day and now like when we were doing Zooms when he first went into lockdown I think the most I had was on the Zoom was like 12, 12 or 11 wow. people. So it was a massive drop in. And like um, for, for a business owner and, and just for a person in general, it was like disheartening and it was um, depressing, like going from like real active and real social with a lot of people coming through to like talking to 11 or 12 of them on Zoom. Businesses like Johnny's are eligible for the government's wage subsidy and resurgent support payments. He says attaining financial help, though, is a drawn-out process for not much help at all. I know it's like hard out promoted and people think, oh yeah, businesses must get extra support. Um, yeah, it's available, but for like a newbie like us, like I'm only 25 and I wouldn't know the, the ropes of how to do all that. They keep saying, oh yeah, there's support people you can contact, but you contact those people and then they send you to someone else and send you to someone else. And by the time you get to the end of it, like you've already given up or when you get the money, it's only enough to pay the power bill for the month or whatever. During lockdown, the average Joe is, well, stress-eating, or they're exercising manically for that ultimate summer body. The thing is, COVID-19 outbreaks in Auckland and Waikato have changed the way people can keep fit. Outdoor organised exercise classes like yoga and boot camps can expand to 25 people, including instructors. Physical distancing of two metres is strongly encouraged. Those restrictions will remain in place until 90% of residents are double vaccinated. Back at Brown Pride, Johnny says he misses the family mentality created by the members who get their sweat on together. Uh, at least it's something for now. It's, it's still not the same. 
But like I can see a consistency since I'll get him back into training. Like members are consistent. Like the ten is always capping. Like we're always getting at least ten. Where some classes, some people will slack off. But I feel like everyone's really realizing that um, the gym is something that they're really grateful for. It's like just a safe space, I guess, to come chuck away any stresses you may have at work or at home. Even if it's an hour, just coming working out for an hour and then heading back home. Especially like if you're working from home. As much as it's annoying, it's, um, I'm grateful at something. And I'm sure our members are grateful as well. Um, it was a bit tricky, but um, I think after a week, we got the hang of it. Brown Pride not only operates as a gym, but a barbershop, a music label and a youth support group. Johnny explains the humble beginnings of his social enterprise grew out of a burning community love. We, we ain't like got any diplomas or degrees or anything. We're just a bunch of mates that grew up together from like primary days. Um, and some of us are cousins. There's six of us. Like I think it was four or five years ago. I just had a random drink up on a Friday um, after work. Like we all hated our 95 buzz and just doing that, coming home, waiting for the weekend, partying, can repeat it every week. Um, and I just brought up an idea to the boys, like why don't we just start a business? And we tried other ideas and things like that. Um, but I feel like fitness and being around people and making people feel good was something we were good at. Like fast forward like three years from that um, to 2019, end of 2019, we kicked off with um, 21 people or 22 people, something like that, in a boot camp for, for six weeks. And our, our main goal was just to sort of get our, our community active. It's not without bumps on the road. The gym was run out of a school basketball court for a time. Two weeks after opening up their own decks last March, New Zealand entered its first nationwide lockdown. And now, Delta's claiming more hits. It's like sort of ironic. Uh, we, we got the um, announcement when um, the gym was full packed. <laughs> and um, um, yeah, then we went straight into lockdown. But this end of the year, like, it's, it's busy for gyms, especially when um, it's peaking towards um, summertime and the end of the year when everyone wants to get in shape. Brown Pride's Round 9 Summer Grind Boot Camp runs rain or shine, virus or not, until just before Christmas. Now, Tale, uh, Mariner obviously went out to that uh, event for us. Um, mm-hmm. Do we know if he took part? I know, actually. He took part in the last, uh, the last round, so I don't know how that went, actually, because we did go into lockdown shortly after. Um, but he, he was pretty into it at the start, um, but yeah, yeah, he did give it a go. We, we don't have any footage of that. <laughs> no, I'll have to look it up and um, look up his Instagram. I'm sure he's got a few, few gems in there. It sounds like a great initiative because I mean, you know, I know obviously here in Wellington, it's not the same for what it's uh, being experienced up in Auckland where you are. But uh, you know, when you go to the gym on the regular and then suddenly you don't have that, you know, that avenue, that outlet to do it, you know, and you've got to be innovative and you've got to sort of, I guess, be really self-motivating, uh, it can be hard. So, you know, any initiative like this can make a huge difference uh, in terms of that community feel and, and getting everyone sort of supporting each other. Absolutely. And obviously it was Mariner's last package for uh, not just us, we champions, but for RNZ Pacific. So thank you, Mariner, and we wish him all the best. Um, we are going to absolutely miss him. Absolutely. We're going to miss his hyena laughs in the office and out of the <laughs> office. But uh the great thing about Mariner is uh, whether he's with us or, or somewhere else, he's always representing his Pacifica community and, and we know that he's going to make an impact wherever he goes. And so if you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, look and mute.